We're going to talk a little bit about praise and worship. I want to follow Pastor Matt as he shared. A couple things. You know, the worship team was radical this morning. I mean, it seems like maybe they might be excited about going to heaven. You know, I, you know, God shared with us a long time ago, if you're not satisfied and really, really happy and show that to your children, how can you expect them to be excited about a God you're not? If you're excited about God, would you please show it? They showed it this morning. I almost got out of hand. But it was good. Wasn't it good? Amen. How many are glad the... The Bible says the rock or the stone that Daniel saw hewn out of the mountains without hands is filling the whole earth. The mustard seed's been growing for 2,000 years. There are tremendous things happening. I'm sorry for the the, uh, news media that keeps uh, the devil's uh, news up to date. (laughs) But, you know, I got to read in the Bible. Then every now and then you hear that God's moving by his spirit. This young man that we met yesterday that is a pastor, I was so excited because uh, he has the same zeal, the same enthusiasm uh, that, that, that we did when we started. Amen? I mean, he's really into Jesus. He's really into following the Holy Spirit. It's not a program to him. It's, it's, a, it's a ministry, and I, I was so excited to hear about it. Okay, let's talk about praise and worship a little bit this morning to the true and the living God. Uh, I hope... This is one of the things we share when we go out to the churches we start, other churches. Uh, please, please, when your pastor really seeks after the Lord to find a message, please don't be like the guy that went to the grocery store and left his groceries at that store. Don't be like the guy that goes to the doctor's office and leaves his prescription at the office. Are you hearing me now? See, unless you're willing to take notes or take the CD or however you do it, if you're not willing to go over it and over it, then it, can't, it, it never goes beyond information. But if you're willing to meditate on it day and night, if you're really ready to, to go over the notes and go over the, whatever, whatever way that you have to record, I don't know, uh, it used to be cassettes. Before that was eight track. So however it is, but please don't leave your groceries at the store. Don't be so foolish to leave your prescription here at the office. Do your pastor a favor. Pastor Matt would really, really appreciate it. If through the week you said, you know, Pastor, when you said this, that really, I really liked that. I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? It kind of gives him the idea that, you know, I'm not just up here filling the air with words. But it really means something to people. Everybody said, amen. amen. <clears throat> the first thing that I noticed as I listened to the, to, to the message Pastor Matt preached, uh, the very, very first thing that really came to my mind, I thought it was really good, and that is praise and worship starts with a relationship. You've got to have a relationship with the Lord. You understand? Just the, the Bible says that the Pharisees, they worshiped, but they worshiped in vain because they didn't have a relationship with God. And Jesus said, if you'd known my father, you'd known me. But you don't have a relationship with the father, so you don't know me. And so we don't want to in vain worship the Lord. 
We, we want to know what we're doing. And so that requires a daily relationship. Reading your Bible, talking to the Lord, let him talk to you. Amen? Number two, I noticed something else that uh, Pastor Matt brought out was really good. Uh, devotion. How many have ever heard uh, it, you're talking about somebody or someone's talking about somebody and says, you know, that guy is devoted. He's devoted to his work. He's devoted to his family. You know, they use the word because that means that this person is sold out. They're just putting every bit of their energy into this particular area. And so when it comes to being devoted to God, it means we're sold out. It's all about God. It's all about his word. It's about his way, his plan, his purpose. It's everything about him. Right. Amen. That's just, that's just the way it is. So we're relationship and then devotion. So I just want to talk a little bit about the purpose of praise and worship, at least that I found in the scripture, and I thought it was really good. Uh, we already know in Psalms chapter 22, very, very familiar passage, but the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. What, what that means is he lives. Now, can we understand that in every situation in life, I don't know about you, but I needed God. Raising my children, I needed the Lord. I could, I could love them, I could give them spankings, but God was the one that worked in their hearts. I could not work in their heart. God could, and he did. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so when it says that he lives... He, listen, he comes when there's praise and worship because he feels comfortable. He feels welcomed. And when he shows up, he is the miracle worker God. He's a miracle worker. He's the healer. He's the deliverer. He's the restorer. He's the peace. He's everything that we could possibly want or need. It's in God. But the key is getting him into your life. Make him a part of your marriage. Make him part of your business. Make him part of the community. That's his. That, listen, thank God he can do a lot of things, but you know something? He kind of requires some things of you and I. Amen? I, I know that the Lord could raise my boys by himself, but he asked my wife and I to help. Now, I've seen parents that thought the Lord alone could raise the kids and well, some of them are in jail, and some of them are in, behind padded. Are you anybody home? You know, God's not going to do it all. His, listen, his sovereignty does not release you and I from our responsibility. Do you know that his supernatural, his presence, his power, his glory, does not release us from our responsibility? I mean, look at Israel. They lived in the manifested presence of God every day for 40 years. I mean, the cloud by day, pillar fire by night. They went out, opened a tent door, and here's breakfast, dinner, lunch. Everything's there. But it didn't guarantee them coming into the promised land. In fact, they died in the wilderness. Anybody home? And so we want and need God in our lives. But it comes because he lives in the praises of his people. You know, now praises includes everything from doing what's right and, and honoring the Lord and praise work. We could talk about, I'm sure Pastor Matt will talk about that, praising God on the instruments and all that kind of stuff. But it includes thanksgiving. Anybody home? 
It includes thanksgiving. And, and so when we talk about praise and worship, this is all include your gratitude, your thanksgiving, everything. But if you really need a miracle, would you please encourage and excite God to be there? You know what I'm saying? We're limited in what we can do by ourselves, but with God, all things are possible. Now listen, really, here's another one. This is really good. I want to go to um, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. You know, sometimes you ought to just read it, and we've preached on it, over, heard it preached for years, and here's Jehoshaphat, and he's outnumbered by the enemy, who knows how much, 10 to 1, whatever it was. And uh, so he begins to pray, and, and God tells him what to do. And the Bible says, believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. And if you believe his prophets, you will prosper. And of course, what God told him to do, what was it? God told him to send the singers first, to praise the Lord God, and it was amazing. Could you imagine singing the, sending the choir first? I mean, I don't know if anybody uh, in, in our history uh, where a general said, get the choir. But we got this enemy out there, so send the choir. It didn't happen. But the Bible says God told him to send the singer. And the Bible says as they begin to sing and praise the Lord, God set an ambushment against the children of their enemies. Their enemies. You've got to read it. It's, chapter 20 is so powerful. And the Bible says God caused such confusion into the enemy. There were three nations against him. Two set themselves against one. And then all of a sudden, those two begin to fight one. And the Bible says, listen to this, and everyone helped to destroy another. Boy, that is powerful. I mean, you know, that, this, is, this is praise and worship. It brought God on the scene. Next thing you know, he turns the enemy against one another. And the Bible said none escaped. And the Bible says that when they came to take up the spoils, there, there were more than they could carry away. There were three days Picking up the spoils. Think about it. And, uh, and then they blessed the Lord. So could you see here that praise and worship, could we say that praise and worship is part of our weaponry? Part of the wonderful weapons. When the Bible says we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, principality powers, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling out. Look at this. Look at this powerful. It's part of our weaponry, saints. Praise and worship is something that we war with. We war for ourselves. We war for our family. We war for the church. We war for the community. We can, we can even war for the nation. This is incredible. I said, you know, when I read this, this is amazing to me. And listen to this. Now, if you go to Psalms 149, this is one of the, I, I'm, it's, it's amazing. Listen to this. He's talking about praise the Lord and sing praises to the Lord. Let the high praises of God be in your mouth, the two-edged sword in your hand. Listen, to execute vengeance upon the people. Listen to this. And punishment upon the people. And listen to this. To bind kings with chains and nobles with fetters of iron. To execute upon them the judgment written, this honor hath all his saying. I mean, this is amazing. Whatever it means to bind kings with chains, nobles of favor, I don't know. All I know, it's the enemy. Demons, devils, whatever you want to call them, but whatever they are, the Bible says it's our high praises that actually bind the devil and all his forces, and this honor hath all. Everybody say all. Everybody counts. Everybody has to be responsible. 
Everybody count. This honor have all his. It doesn't just belong to the preacher. It doesn't just belong to the leaders. It belongs to every single saint. Boy, I said, well, this is really. Now, you know, as I looked at this, I thought, wow, this is amazing. Uh, if this is really causing so much damage in the kingdom of darkness, my question is, why aren't more Christians taking advantage of this gift, this weaponry? I don't know about you. Did you ever think about that? I mean, I'm thinking, why is it, if this is so powerful, why are many Christians, they just don't seem to take advantage of the weaponry God's given them that defeats the enemy? I mean, that brings spoils into your house. Whew. Amazing. Anybody ever think that, just me? <laughs> but I thought, wow. I mean, you know, when, when we're praising and blessing, God brings his presence, brings his presence brings his presence, thinks about it. God shows up and miraculous things happen. God begins to heal, deliver, restore. There's so many things that normally, we just watched a, a movie last night. It just came out. It's called Broken, or in a Breakthrough, I think it is. And uh, yeah, how many have heard of the, you know, the boy that fell through the ice, was dead for an hour? <sighs> you know, I have an idea that God is allowing, some, to, to become national now, National. This was, a, this was a movie, National. And it, I, God is allowing some very, very powerful, miraculous, supernatural things to take place and be noised across the nation because God wants to have mercy on this country. God wants to wake up America. How about the guy that was 90 minutes dead? I mean, you know, I just... You know, I, I, you know, a supernatural God. Well, that's the God I want to be involved in my marriage. That's the God I want to be involved with my kids. That's the God I want to be involved with my community and my city, my nation. Amen. But the key is, hey, he lives in the praises of his people because there he feels comfortable. It creates an atmosphere where God likes to live. And whenever he likes to live, uh, how many of you have, have uh, grandkids? Anybody? So how many, some of you folks have got children, and when the grandparents come over, what do they do? Spoil them. A little piece of candy, a little bit of this. Anybody home? Well, I like it when God shows up because he spoils us. He gives us a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And a little bit of, we'd like a little more love. How about a little more peace? How about joy? Joy. Hey, you like that? But the key is we're learning that praise and worship makes all the difference in the world. Woo! Now, I have to say this, that praise and worship, listen, apart from loving your neighbor is ineffective. You cannot separate Loving God with loving one another. It can't be done. That's why there's the two great commandments, love the Lord your God with all heart, and love your neighbor as yourself because you cannot. Praise and worship is of no value apart from our loving one another. Jesus said, if you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. And so we have to understand, so, uh, so if I want to love God more, I try to be sweeter to my wife. I try to be nicer to people, especially in the church. 
The Bible said, be good, especially to those of the household of faith. We got to do that. Amen. Well, anyway, praise the Lord. It's satisfied. Could you imagine, think about it, that you and I are capable of satisfying the longing of his heart. God Almighty, he said, he's seeking such to worship him. And so when we praise and worship from our hearts, we are really allowing God to find what he's searching for. And that's worshipers. I mean, this is, this is so incredible, you know? Now listen, when we do this, and we just read it, it brings confusion and even cancellation of many of Satan's plans. Now what that means is, listen, <laughs> he has to try to stop you. If this weapon is so powerful against him, then he is obligated to try to stop you from praise and worship. Are you hearing me now? Amen. Now, we have to understand, we don't want to make any mistake about it. Satan is a master, masterful tactician. Tacticianist. In other words, if you think for a moment you're playing around with a devil that doesn't know anything, that he's stupid, you better think again. Any devil that could convince one-third of God's angels to leave heaven isn't stupid. And if we don't understand, Paul said we, we need to understand the devices of the enemy. We, we cannot be ignorant on concerning Satan's devices. So what are some of his devices? I want to just take a few minutes because if this praise and, this praise and worship is so powerful... With thanksgiving, I'm telling you, we really need to do everything we can. And so we have to understand the opposition. What is it that the enemy is trying to do to keep us? So listen to this. To fully, fully, uh, more fully understand Satan's tactics, we need to go to the Bible. When he decided to stop being a worshiper of God. Could we do that? And so if you go to the book of Ezekiel, Chapter 28, the Bible says, Satan was created perfect in all of his parts until iniquity was found in him. So if we jump over to Isaiah 14, the Bible says, the iniquity of his heart was, he began to say, I will. He became self-centered. He got caught up with himself. He became independent. Anybody home? And so this is his technical, I mean his technique, and that is somehow he's got to keep you from praise and worship, and how can he do that? Now remember now, when Jesus came, the Bible says that for this reason, the Son of Man was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Hebrew tells us that, that, G, that Jesus came and destroyed him who through death had the power to cause fear in the people. God destroyed, which means he paralyzed the devil. Now, he didn't annihilate the devil, but he stripped him of his power and authority. But you know one of the things that we need to understand? Satan has absolutely no power, no authority in your life, in your marriage, in your home, even wherever it is, unless he gets permission. 
And the permission has to come from us. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God if we're born again. Amen. Now, one of the things I noticed, and I, it was so good, uh, Brother Rick Douglas gave me a book, and it was really good. It's talking, it's really, I love it. You know, but anyway, uh, what, what he brought out, which I've never really noticed, and yet I know it, but I didn't know it, know it. How many know what I'm talking about? You know about it, but you really don't know. And uh, so, yes, Satan has been defeated. Yes, he's been stripped of his power and authority over us, but he retains his intellect. He retains his reasoning. He retains his cunning. And he retains the power of persuasion. Adam and Eve. He had absolutely no authority, but he persuaded them. And so this is what the enemy tries to do to you and I so many times. He tries to persuade us. <laughs> he tempts us and he try, because he has this tremendous power. He lets us know why we should be upset with somebody. He lets us know why we should, living in, we should, be, should live, be living in self-pity. He gives us such tremendous reasoning why we need to be stubborn. We call it firm. We, 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 you know, we, we need to really stand fat. No, no. Yeah, he, but he knows how to convince us that we're right and everybody else is wrong. He knows how to convince me that I'm right, my wife isn't. The power of persuasion. Anybody home? And so he's continuing. Now, one of the things that we're noticing, that the more you love yourself, the more I love myself, the more complicated life becomes. Come on, look, look at your name. You know, that's true. The more I love myself, the more complicated my marriage becomes. My kids, you know, it's, it's because I love myself that I don't really want to discipline my children the way I'm supposed to. I remember a little, when I started disciplining Michael, I mean, that little teeny blue eye, beautiful, you know, and could, could, could any bad thing come out of him? But I knew what the Bible says. If you love your son, you'll be prompt to punish him. If you don't punish your son, it proves you don't love him. So I knew what the Bible says. But there was such a powerful persuasion from the enemy. You know, just let him go, praise, pat him on the head, give, give, him, give him a little time, back, whatever, you know. Anybody home? Am I the only one that's kind of in this place? <laughs> Paul said we don't have to be ignorant concerning his devices. So he's legally powerless. Authority's been taken. But he still has this intellect, this cunning and power of persuasion. So he's got to penetrate our thought life. He's got to begin somehow to get into your head. Now, we've talked about winning the battle of the mind. Well, this is the reason. One of the reasons is that he wants to try to penetrate because he knows. You know, sometimes the devil knows what the Bible and believes the Bible more than we do. The Bible said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so the devil says, I got to get in his head. Anybody home? See, he's always trying to distract us. He wants us to focus on the hurts, the wounds, the disappointments, the betrayals. Anybody home? Am I preaching to anybody this morning? I don't know. I'm preaching myself happy. I, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to try to change my ways. <laughs> anybody home? 
Now, if the power of life and death is in the tongue, right? Everybody, we know that's in the scriptures. Power of life and death is in the tongue. That has to mean that words come from thoughts. So if the power of life and death is in the words, they have to start as seeds in your thoughts. And so that means your thoughts are seeds full of life and power, life and death. One or the other, life and death. Anybody home? Amen? He says, boy, this is getting awful close. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is kind of getting a little bit close. I'm afraid this is a little too close to where I live. I don't know. I'm getting uncomfortable here. How many know there's no neutral thoughts? There's no neutral thoughts, therefore, there are no neutral words. Every thought is going someplace, to life or death. Every word is going towards life or death. Listen, we've got, if we understand this, we can have a great marriage. So when a negative thought comes to me about my wife, I say, whoa! Here's a thought at the door. Hey, did you notice that she... Yeah, you know, I said, wait wait a minute, wait a minute. I knew who it is. I know who it is. Hallelujah. It's not my wife. It's the devil. He's trying to get into my thought life again. Hallelujah. And you know something? The unrenewed mind will agree with him. If your mind hasn't been renewed through the word of God, you've studied it, you know what the Bible says, so you know your mind has been renewed, you're safe. But if you don't know the Bible, your unrenewed mind will go along with your feeling and his suggestion. How many, why do you think Christians are divorcing their Christian partners today? Hundreds, hundreds, why? Because somewhere along the line, the enemy penetrated either the husband or wife's thinking, and say, you know, you really don't feel love. You don't feel any romance anymore. It's over. I mean, to try to hang around here is just being a downright hypocrite. You need to get out of here. Anybody home? The carnal mind is what? Enmity against God. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The Bible says he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on the Lord. Listen, daydreaming is dangerous. If you can sit around and daydream, you got, you, you're in a dangerous place because you, you, the enemy can sow his seed like anybody else. Daydreaming can't work. Now, let me just, I, I, we, I, Lord willing, Pastor Matt's going to do tomorrow and do next week. He wants me to do the week after. So I'm going to save some stuff. But let me just, a cu- couple things that came to mind. Uh, what praise and worship are not? Would that be all right? How many know you can't be good and bad at the same time? Anybody home? You know, and so here's some things that I noticed. Murmuring, complaining is not praise and worship. Think about it. Murmuring, complaining sentenced everybody in Israel over 20 to die in the wilderness. 
And so, honey, man, how many know that's not, that's not good? That's the opposite of winning over your, over your, over your enemies. It, it's the opposite of making it is dying. And so here, murmuring and complaining is not. Listen, listen, how, many, how many guys murmur and complain? And they can't, wonder, they can't figure out why. See, when, when you do that, you have a problem. You can't murmur and complain about your wife, how she cooks, doesn't cook, whatever. It just doesn't work. And everybody said, amen. Whew. The Bible says that we enter his gates with thanksgiving. See, this was the answer to Israel's problem. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. His courts with praise. You know, I want, some of you guys need to surprise your wife when you come home and be thankful. Honey, I am so glad you said yes. Oh, man, what would I do with anybody else but you? Anybody home? Surprise your wife. Honey, you would look so good today. I am so, anybody home? Some of you wives can surprise your husband when he's got that little twinkle in his eye. Yes, big boy. We're ready. Ready tonight, baby. Anybody home? I mean, I know it sounds simple, but the opposite is bad. <laughs> if you do it this way, it's good, but it's the opposite of it's bad. Murmuring, complaining is not part of praise and worship. By the way, would you really surprise the pastor and elders in the house when you come through those gates with thanksgiving? Not murmuring, complaining. With thanksgiving, thank God the seats are just right, the color of the wall just right, the wrinkle in the car just right. Come on. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his course with thanksgiving. We're looking for his presence. We want to get to that. The Bible says he, they get the gate first, but then, you know, the whole outer court was praised before you got to the temple. It was two or three times bigger than the tabernacle. So before you get to worship, you got to have to go through this place called praise. you got to be thankful. You want to really enjoy a great marriage? Hey, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Amen. Here's another one. You're going to like this. You know, if we'll just turn our murmuring complaining into praise and worship, it gives the devil a nervous breakdown. Could we, please, could we please surprise the devil? Give him a nervous breakdown. He does something and creates something, does something, and goes bad. He's expecting you to respond in a negative way, but you respond through praise and worship. It's enough to drive him up the wall. I don't know about you, but just thinking about driving the devil crazy, it just feels good to me. I don't know, but I might not be loving and kind, but I really feel good about that. How about this? Being critical and judgmental is not praise and worship. Anybody home? You know, here is Aaron and Miriam. This was the, this was the brother and sister of Moses. They've been called together, and, and yet they begin to kind of complain and criticize Moses. The next thing you know, God gets upset Moses gets cursed, or Miriam gets cursed with leprosy, and they had to put her outside the camp. Can we understand what that means? You can't be critical in your marriage and still be in the house. 
Before it's over, you're on the outside looking. Now, you're there physically, of course, but you can't figure out why we're not as, she wasn't as sweet, she's not this. Because of your criticism, it puts you outside. You're looking in. I mean, I, how many people in the church? That you can't criticize the church, the preacher, the elders. You can't do that. It doesn't work. Leprosy comes on to you. Next thing you know, you feel, I've had people come years ago, and they said, you know, Brother Wayne, we just don't feel a part of the church. Not my fault. Not God's fault. Not the elders' fault. It's your fault. Because all you can do is criticize, be judgmental. Look at your neighbor and say, this, this is a little too much today. <laughs> Korah and 250 princes were critical of Moses. Next thing you know, the earth opens up, swallows a bunch of people. Fire comes down and kills a bunch of people. Hey, you know, it's not safe. <laughs> Praise and worship, come on, is better. Praise and worship is better. Criticism and judgmental spirit is not good at all. But if we can learn to really have pure praise and worship coming in our lives, this absolutely dispels the atmosphere for the world, the flesh, and the devil. Can you imagine this one thing? If we can just keep that thankful, grateful praise and worship, think about it. It actually creates this tremendous atmosphere where God shows up for everybody. For everybody. For everybody. Did you hear me? For everybody. The weak in the house, it, God shows up and helps them because of your and my attitude. I don't think we know who we are, saints. <laughs> I don't. You know, the, the Bible says God blessed Potiphar, because of one man. Look at through the Bible how God blesses somebody or, and, or a nation because of one person. So th that's, what the, that's what, what's going on today. If you can just understand, if you can really, out of a heart of purity, you really be, be blessed the Lord, everybody will be blessed. Not just you. How about your children? How about your parents, your in-laws, outlaws? Woo! You want to clear that atmosphere where the, where the world, flesh, and the devil can work and be comfortable? Praise and worship. Fill your life, fill your house, fill your marriage, fill your family. Praise and worship. Amen. Remember something we wrote down, and you can write it down if you haven't. Turn your complaints into petitions and turn your criticism into intercession and watch God Amen. Father, we want to thank you for the precious blood of you. We thank you for this. Just, just enlighten us, Lord, so that to realize what we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, being born again into the family of God, now being part of the commonwealth of Israel, not being strangers, but being heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. It's amazing. And, Lord, you've given us a wonderful key 
praise, worship, thanksgiving, Lord. It just, it just does so much. Lord, it brings confusion into the enemy's camp. It defeats the enemy. It causes them to turn against himself. It's amazing, amazing. Lord, I just pray for this people, Lord God. Thank you for Pastor Matt and what's going on here at the door. Thank you, Lord God, that, Lord, the, the, the vision you've given way back with Brother Crandall and then my wife and I and now Pastor Matt. Lord, this vision, you're going, you want to take this city. You want to take this city for your honor and for your glory. So, Lord, we're just standing with Pastor Matt, Pastor Rachel, Lord. We're going to see tremendous things take place because we're not giving up. You have given us keys, and we're going to use those keys. Because when we use these keys, everybody will benefit. And all the people said, amen.